archaic is a strong word that's thrown around too often, but but dated play style in the sense that they are a run first team, right? They are one of the few teams left in the league, them and the Raiders. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, June the 26th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and I am joined, as always, by producer JT. JT, how are we doing? I'm good. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Uh, are we like one week away from the 4th of July? I don't know. My schedule keeps getting messed up. What? I think we are. What day of the week is the 4th? That's a great question. We're getting, I mean, because there's Tuesday. 30 days in June, right? So we're eight days away now. Or no, tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow, or no. So it'll be this upcoming Tuesday. Yeah. See, yeah. So we are about yeah. a week away. You you are almost which is exciting. I am, which is exciting. Yes. I don't which know what I'm doing almost, the yet, but I'm sure yeah, it'll be I fun. I have no idea. But it means yeah. that we're finally almost out of the content desert that is the, the dog June. days of June. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. June's not a fun one for those of us in the NFL space, but we're trudging along and um, today is another June episode. We have a couple of interesting things to talk about. We'll chat about it and then we'll get on out of here. We won't waste anybody's time. Just a little roundup on the weekend of sports. Pretty good weekend for sports. You've got the College World Series going on. You've got some MLS action. You've got MLB action. More fun for some of us than others. Um, let's talk about it. Tough couple games for Nashville SC since we last checked in with them. Um, last we heard from them, I was there at the game. Honey Mukhtar had a hat trick and they killed uh, St. Louis City, whatever, something like that. The St. Louis team, whatever their silly name is. And uh, they've now lost two games in a row on the road. Apparently, according to people that are much smarter when it comes to soccer than me, it has to do with them losing players to international duties, which is crazy to me. Can you imagine in the NFL if you just randomly lost, like, you know, we're playing the Rams this week, but hey, don't worry, Aaron Donald's, he's he's playing for the national team, so he's not going to be there. Like, What? Really? We're doing that? And that and it just counts? Just tough luck? Get over it? That's wild it, to me. It's pretty interesting, but I, I kind of get it. That's kind of just how soccer works. And until the MLS becomes, I think, a bigger player on the world stage, which they're right. slowly becoming, it's it's that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles. You're right that it does have something to do with the fact that they the MLS still kind of gets the short, they draw the short straw with some of these things because they are, See, I wonder if they I'd imagine like in Premier League, you don't deal with that nearly as often losing guys for a, a stretch because they have to play for their national team. But I honestly have no idea. It's it's a bonkers no concept either. for me that we just yeah. count it and it doesn't just get over it. Sorry. Um, that's kind of wild to me. But um, surely. I mean, but also it, it is true. It is true back. that like the the CONCAF Cup is going on. So I'm sure that I mean, there are a couple of a uh, couple of players that on Nashville's team that does play for like the U S right. And other teams like Mexico of, and other a teams like that, like most likely that's probably why it's happening. So like, Oh no, like you <laughs> Nashville, Nashville SC lost a couple of their players, but go us or something like that. You know? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> surely you don't lose guy. Like when you get to the playoffs, surely that's, we turn that function off. Right. Or I'd imagine I mean, at least you, you would hope that the MLS would schedule their playoffs around the major like right. tournaments, hopefully. Right. You're a know. big hockey guy. Does that ever happen in hockey where you have, cause like there's some, um, there's some well, similarities the only, the there, right. To like different levels. Ever, and... The only time it would ever happen was probably like with the Olympics, which is a very hot topic. Like, right, right. do you want, do we let our players 
do we take a break in the middle of the season to which they used play to do, the right? And, and yes, recently and, they've been like not happening. Yeah, and I think which sucks. By the maybe way, maybe someday, it. maybe someday under Gary Bettman or Gary Bettman's like very like wishy washy rule. Maybe <laughs> yeah, we'll say, get there. He may be the worst commissioner um, in major sports. But like, you know, you don't you don't weird. get a bunch of people leaving like in the middle of the season for like three or four games because they have to go play somewhere else. Gotcha. Speaking of leaving, turning our attention to the NHL, the Preds lost uh, a mainstay in a trade. They didn't lose him. They, they traded him away. They they gave him away um, to the Colorado Avalanche. It was announced that incoming general manager, which is so strange, like the Predators main Twitter account is still referring to Barry Trotz as the incoming general manager, but he's the one pulling the strings. So I, maybe he's not the official GM yet, but like, why, how, why is he able to do the things that he's not, doesn't have the job to do? Like, what, what does that have? Does that make any sense to you? Like, he's not the GM I mean, yet. He's not actually in control, but he's also in charge of the personnel department. He's just making the moves for the team like a GM would do, but he's not a GM guys. I promise. I mean, it's probably the same as Michael Jordan still making the draft decisions before he sells the Charlotte Hornets, you <laughs> know? So, like, Fair enough. I, I don't Fair know. Enough. I mean, it, you're – I mean, maybe you're in it until you don't want to be. And in this case, <laughs> like, they were just right. like, Barry, take it over. We don't want to be. Like, there's a hard set date where I'm – I, I stop having this this title. Fake title. But it's yeah. all right. But it's all right. You can have it now. Like, I don't really care. <laughs> Early, you know, yeah, like, he's phoning it in. Now, he's, he's now, with, quiet now with Michael David Jordan, Coyle, Michael Jordan quitting. is Michael Jordan is holding that title to to its very wits end. You know, yeah. like yep. he's going to do this draft and he's going to control this team's future until that check clears. You know. So, anyways, it was tweeted by the Preds this weekend that incoming general manager Barry Trotz announced today that the team has acquired forward Alex Galchenyuk. Do you know how to say this guy's name? Galchenyuk. Galchenyuk, okay, I was close, from go, the Colorado man. Avalanche in exchange for forward Ryan Johansson, which is a bummer. Joey was a, a guy that's been around with Nashville for, yeah, I mean, at least seven, eight, nine years. He was a big part of, if not one of the main reasons why they got to the Stanley Cup in that 17 season, was a big part of that President's Trophy winning team in 2018. You could argue that the Preds may have won that cup against the Pens if he hadn't gotten hurt and missed the the finals series. Um, many, many hockey heads do argue that it would have been a much better series at the very least if he hadn't been knocked out in the in the semifinals. But um, my ultimately, again, I'm not a huge hockey guy, JT. You are much bigger into hockey than I am. But my brain says good. My heart says ouch. That's my analysis. It, it's a bummer, but like it was the right move, I think. I mean, it's the same thing I'm about to go through with the Mets. It, right. it has to be yep. done. Um, a little foreshadowing as to mm -hmm. what we're going to talk about next. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it sucks because this guy's been around. Mr. But like, if you follow the Preds, you know that this guy has not been what he signed his contract for. Like the the money does not reflect. And that's the sticking what, point. What it's he, that contract, what, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know it. The the main point is that the the Preds are still retaining about fifty percent of that contract, so they're still going to pay about $4 million over the next two years. Um, Which but the big thing folks is in the NHL media seemed to be kind of surprised that he was able to offload any of that contract. Um, I, yeah, it, it is. It is a little bit surprising. It, it's, it's um, and kind of, of the contract, I mean, and it's kind of just the, screwed. Yeah. And the, what you're getting back is 
Alex Galchenyuk, who has been a pretty good player in years past, caveat being in years past, you're kind of taking okay. the 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 yearly gamble of does Alex Galchenyuk <laughs> ever come back and play at least a quarter of what his potential was. And for most is he teams, an older player or is he just kind of going um, through a, get, a midlife crisis slump? He, he's, he's getting up there in years. I think, um, I mean, he spent the last season or so in the AHL. Um, but oh, okay. he, he's been, he's been in the league since 2012. Um, he only played in 11 games in, uh, 2022, I believe, or 2022, 2023 season, um, spent a lot of time, uh, with the AHL team of the um, Colorado Avalanche, so y- y- you're basically taking a player back. Oh, he's only he's a year basically just than... offloading um, yeah. the contract of uh, Ryan Johansson. And for people who are upset about this deal, and um, is 29 for reference. People they who are mad about this deal, I think you need to see what Barry does this offseason because this sets the Preds up to make sure. a big splash, whether that be in the free agent market. That isn't one of the top free agent markets say, that we've seen in the last five years. Up, already said, I'm not um, really asked about this market. He doesn't really like it, which yeah, may mean it, he's not, looking for a big trade. With, and, it, and it could be a trade. Uh, my hot take is that there are definitely a couple of superstars on the Toronto Maple Leafs who are on the move. Mm. So that could, yeah. I, it'd be, it'd be pretty cool to see one of those Toronto Maple Leafs guys, whether it be Tavares or, um, Oh, who's the other guy? Oh, he's there's so many up there. <laughs> like what? Okay. what All right. we'll, we'll um, Mitch Marner is who I'm talking about. Mitch Marner. Okay. Seeing one of those guys offload their contract, get the get the um, Toronto Maple Leafs off the books, kind of shake up that team. We might see one of them go. Um, but the Preds are prepping for something big. So when it happens, it'll be pretty interesting to see. And finally, we have to touch on the MLB. It was a, a an exciting weekend series between the Reds and the Braves. The Reds suddenly one of the hottest teams in in the league. Uh, they ran into the Braves where they had who who's their young star who's been going crazy. He he hit the cycle on him in game one. De La Cruz hits the cycle on him in game one. First time I think a Reds player has run the cycle up on somebody, and I read like thirty or forty years. Um, I think since which, like nineteen eighty eight. I read so okay. Yeah, uh, it's been a he while. He did it in it's his first fifteen games. Crazy. Is he a rookie? Like, yeah, he is. He's played 15 That's games. Wild. Yeah. Okay, so he's just come out of nowhere and lit the. Okay, got. Gotcha. I wouldn't say out of nowhere. He's he's been waiting in the wings in their in their minors I for, just mean, for a little he's, bit. He's now, come in but... all all guns a blazing. Yeah. yeah, firing on all Correct. pistons. Well, the uh, the Reds and JT's betting account ran up against the Braves in game two, where the Braves ultimately. Um, I'm assuming it's a three game series. They may be continuing yes. to play, but yeah, okay. So they won the series. The Braves took game two and three. A uh, big Matt Olson game in game three, put them over the top. And uh, the Mets, JT, can we check in on the Mets? How are things going with the Mets? Have they met? Have they met lately? Uh, yeah, they, they, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I just talked a whole lot of Preds and I'd rather talk Preds <laughs> for this Nashville crowd than the Mets. Uh, I'm just going to say that Let's give us the low today, today was one of the most embarrassing days of Mets baseball that I've watched in a while, which, wow, and that's be- a high bar to, clear no, that's... well it mean it, it may mean two months it may mean two years we'll see okay like, okay. like i'm not going to tell you what my bar is for embarrassing <laughs> yeah. mets baseball because there's a lot of embarrassing baseball to be played however today catalog. yeah was one of the most embarrassing days i've ever witnessed for the new york mets um and mm. i'm not a person who usually likes to call for jobs but 
I think heads do need to roll on this Mets team. Oh, um, they need they need to throw in the towel this year. Get, get as many, um, make as many smart moves to keep as many prospects and gain as many prospects as possible, and look to the future. Is is my final word right. on on the Mets? <laughs> All right, so the Mets are on to 2024, and we're on to our actual football discussion for today. Before we do, got to mention for those that may have missed in our last episode, you should go back and listen to our last episode because it was great, as all of our shows are. We have partnered with Zen Sportsbook, a new sportsbook here in Tennessee, with some folks working for the company that we are really, really fond of, and a product that we think is well worth your time, worth giving it a look. You earn an unlimited 5% cash back welcome bonus. When you go and sign up for Zen Sportsbook, you just go download the app Zen Sports, log in like you would any other betting platform, any other sports book. And when you do that and you use our code HOTPOD, H-O-T-P-O-D, code HOTPOD on Zen Sportsbook, you earn an unlimited 5% cash back welcome bonus. And when you sign up with our code, you then earn 3% cash back rewards on your betting volume every month after that. So for the first 15 days, 5% cash back, not just on every bet you win, but every bet you place. So you place $1,000 worth of bets in the first 15 days, and you are getting back, quick math, 50 bucks in your pocket, whether you win, lose, or draw on those bets. And then after those first 15 days, 3% after that. So no matter whether you are in a slump or on a, a ride of a, a lifetime with your betting trends, you're getting cash back in your pocket thanks to Zen Sportsbook and our code. Hot pod, H O D P O H O T P O D. I can spell, I promise. Go over and do that and and uh, help support the show. We appreciate your support by using our code. All right, JT, um, two things I want to talk about today that are football related, and we'll talk about them in some depth and then we'll get out of here. The first of which is our continuation of the uh, the Warren Sharp Hot Read podcast um, that this show has turned into in the last couple of weeks because Warren Sharp is very, very good at presenting off-season content. He's putting together his big season preview book that he does every year, which is very, very good. And I recommend to folks, I started reading it for the first time last year, certainly going to get it again this year. Um, just a ton of things in there from an analytics, statistical, historical standpoint that you wouldn't otherwise come across. And it's, it's portioned off by team. So if you just want to look into the Titans chapter, Get the book and look into the Titans chapter. There's some great stuff. And he kind of dropped some nuggets here and there on Twitter during this time of year with some really interesting stuff on the league uh, at large. And this is one that came across my timeline earlier this weekend. It's the percent of drives that scored points when losing in the second half. So in other words, how often when you are down in the second half of a football game, are you going on offensive drives that result in points? How well are you doing to work to come back from that second half deficit? Cincinnati Bengals, JT's Cincinnati Bengals, topping the list at 68% of those drives, nearly seven out of 10 of those drives when they are down, they were scoring points and coming back and making the game interesting. Some usual suspects at the top as well. Kansas City, 59%, Buffalo, 53%. And then rounding out the teams that were above 50%, the New York Giants, 52%. Danny Dimes, I never call him not clutch because he's a clutch king, apparently. Uh, also, the Vegas Raiders and Carolina, both at 50%. Kind of surprising to see both of those teams there. Jacksonville at 48%. They were very good last year at coming back from a deficit. Let's zoom down the list to, to where we're getting here. And I think if you are familiar at all with Tennessee Titans football last year, then you know where they're probably going to fall on this list. And they are, in fact, dead last, tied with the 
Um, fantastic Los Angeles Rams offense last year of freaking Baker Mayfield on seven days notice and some other about to say like some other like, guy who I who, was a rookie and I completely forgot who he even was. Um, um, I'm trying to think of his name. John Wolford is a character um, on that team. Wolf Bryce Pack. Perkins. Bryce, Bryce Perkins, Perkins for that's a game and a half. Uh-huh. Um, I think I think the Tennessee Titans are at the bottom at 22 percent with a they team are. that had <laughs> was more quarterbacks team, start that that uh, that had more quarterbacks start in games than their starting quarterback Matt Stafford last year. So yeah, I think they had, <laughs> like, they had did, more B, C, and D tier quarterback start games than their than their starter. Yeah, that's absolutely. So let's the talk case. about that. Let's talk about that. This is yet another way of illustrating what was wrong with the Titans offense last year. And this brings up two points for me when I look at this JT. And I think like, okay, here are the numbers. Here's the data. What does this tell us about this Titans team last year that we can learn from, they can learn from, and improve on going forward? Two things. One is is just this is reflective of the Titans Archaic is a strong word that's thrown around too often, but but dated play style in the sense that they are a run first team, right? They are one of the few teams left in the league, them and the Ravens and the Browns. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. It's kind of the end of the list of teams that want to run first. The Giants at times with Saquon um, and, and they want to and the Falcons for sure. They want to dictate the pace of the game. They want to go slow. They want to wear you down and impose their will on you with it cut by a death by a thousand cuts, right? They, they're not looking for the bomb 75 yard touchdown to Travis Kelsey that suddenly, you know, Kansas city has scored three touchdowns in three minutes and 47 seconds of game time. They're going to score on you at their pace, make your offense stay on the opposing sideline, get cold on the bench, not establish any rhythm and really grind the game to a halt. That works really, really well when you are winning football games, when it doesn't work really, really well is when you're not winning football games. And we've seen this for years with the Titans, because this is not a Todd Downing specific play style or identity for the Titans. This was the case with Arthur Smith to an extent as well, just not nearly as much, um, not nearly as frustrating. And to Arthur Smith's credit, his offense worked so much better that they were typically winning the games and they could play that play style. They weren't having to come back with Todd Downing. There was a lot of coming back going on because this, this team, as we've talked about, it feels like every single episode now for a month, really quite good out of the gates, but they could not make adjustments in game to save their life. In game adjustments did not exist. Todd Downing would go into the game with his game plan. And regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the score, regardless of adjustments made by the opposing team, they would stick to the plan. And it, it shocker, wouldn't work because the other team would adjust and the Titans would not. That happens. And you get down in games after taking an early lead, perhaps. In the second half, when you're having to play a, a a style of game that is not within your identity, right? You're you're a run first, grinding time of possession team, and suddenly you you're on the clock and you've got to score and you've got to score quick and you've got to do so within the constraints of how much game you have left. This team doesn't look very good, and we saw that a number of times um, when they were having to push the pace and try to get outside of their identity. You got this. Roughly one in five drives in the second half went down, resulting in a score because they couldn't adjust and they they could not play outside of their identity. Those are the two things for me. It's indicative of lack of adjustments, banging their head into the wall over and over and over in the second half, trying to get what worked in the first half to work again 
The other team has adjusted to counter it. And number two, again, the fact that when this team is forced out of their play style of being a run first ball dominating will imposing team, things don't go super well for them. That's why the Cincinnati's and Kansas cities and Buffalo's at the top of this list, north of 50% are able to be where they are because they can't, you can take a 14, you can take a 21 point lead on Kansas city in Arrowhead in the divisional round of the playoffs. And you're the Houston Texans in the year is 2019. And suddenly you look up 10 minutes later and they have come all the way back and they are winning the game. And now you're the one chasing because that's how that team is built on explosives. The Titans aren't JT thoughts. Yeah. I, I just, the only thing that this tells me is that it makes you wonder, like are teams now becoming privy to how much Derrick Henry impacts this Titans offense. And maybe that's why they shook up sure their offensive so. corner. If you well, don't know at in, this point that Derrick Henry, I, mean, no, I know, I know I mean, what you mean, but more so as in that they're getting they better were caught eliminating him. Is that, is that and what I you're think, saying? I think it is because what I'm trying to say is that we saw Derrick Henry have a little bit of frustration in some games as sure. if you were hoping that, especially like in the bills game earlier in the year, all the way up through like a couple of the Jags games at the end of the year, you were looking for Derrick Henry to turn that corner. And cause he did need a little bit of time to, cause Derrick Henry, he, once he gets that speed, he's, he's, he gets away. And we were always hoping sure that you, when, when you look at those games, you see him just take that one extra step to explode and then he's gone and Give he just four never clean would, steps and it's over. But other and than he just that, never would get there. And because yep. teams were uh, cracking down on what he could do. And that's where you were hoping that Todd Downing in this Titans offense would maybe turn away from that. And it just never happened, which is why I think we're seeing a new kind of fit, uh, just kind of a shift in their offensive thinking this year. Um, to maybe implement more passing plays, implement more guys. That's kind of why maybe they brought in uh, a guy who they drafted in, Ty J Spears, to kind right. of just change up the tempo. And I think they're going to be a lot more versatile as they've used that That's word say, all I, offseason. I, I hate off to be this guy, but you're saying this, and I'm like, they're just going to be a more versatile offense. They're still going to want to. something. I'll be shocked that their identity is still not run first, right? I, I think that they're going to I still be. be too. Mike yeah. Rabel is still the head coach. Tim Kelly is new, but not that different in terms of play style from the past couple guys. I think they're still going to want to be run first, but I think that Mike Rabel at least realizes we've got to get better at being able to wear different, you know, put, put, put on a different pair of pants when we have to, you know, wear, wear the different ball cap when, when times are calling for being a different style of offense, being a different style of team. And, and in the past, they haven't been. I, as you're talking about this, JT, the, the third thing I want to add to the list of what this indicates, what this tells us, and I was I was tipped off to it by what you were saying about Derrick Henry. We're, you know, we were seeing him frustrated a number of times in games because he couldn't get the ball rolling, couldn't get moving downhill. He, he a number of times really didn't have any help out there. I think what this list is indicative of, or maybe – um, I don't know if this is a chicken or egg thing, whether you know this is a result of what I'm about to say or what I'm about to say is a result of this metric. But what do the Rams and the Titans of 2022 have in common, the two teams that are at the bottom of this list? Their offensive lines fell apart and were very, very bad early on in the season and throughout the season. With the Titans and with any team trying to play that style of football, trying to be that 
come from behind. You know, you're down doing what you have to in the second half. You're down. You have to come from behind. You have to play that up tempo, explosive style offense to give yourself a chance. The number one requirement for that type of offense to work is a decent offensive line, especially when one of your best, arguably your best player on the team, Derrick Henry, is a running back, is a downhill runner, is a physical runner that needs a couple steps to get his head of steam. If your offensive line sucks, he's never going to get that head of steam. He's never going to get moving downhill. If you're having to drop back on almost every down and the defense knows you have to drop back on every, every single down and they just pin their ears back and it's bull rush time till the cows come home, if your offensive line sucks, then you're not going to be very successful playing that style of ball. And so th that is another thing with the Titans. They can change their philosophy all they want. This team could suddenly be, uh, you know, you could have brought in Eric Bieniemy, and it could have been a dramatically different style of offense. It would not have mattered, and it will not matter this year unless that offensive line play improves pretty markedly. Yeah, and you're you're hoping that in this kind of um, shift of ideals in their offense, it finally gives them enough versatility to, when they actually give it to Derrick Henry, have the defense not be expecting it all the time, which I think right. they were doing a lot last season, which leads to why you're not getting a lot of long, successful drives in the second half of games. What did we talk about last week on the Warren Sharp portion of our show? The the predictability of the Titans running on first and second yep. down. That, that, that won't be as predictable if, I don't know, you don't do it so freaking much. All right, we'll move yep. on. Um, last thing we want to talk about football related, and this is an interesting one. We're just doing this. You you in the audience may not care. If you followed our draft coverage, I think you will care. We've not really talked anything draft related outside of the Titans draft picks for, I mean, really since the week after the draft. So like for a month and a half now, um, or almost two months now. I was thinking about this. I forgot what brought it to my attention. I was driving around um, on Friday night, headed home. And this popped into my into my brain, and it was fueled by my remembering of where one of my favorite players from the draft, Cody Mock, offensive lineman out of NDSU, landed. Poor guy. is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I was like, man, it sucks for my boy Cody Mock that he had to go to Tampa Bay. And selfishly, it sucks for me because I wanted to watch him excel. And that's not a place to go and excel as an offense. I say it as offensive lineman, really as any position right now. Not, not, not a great place to be. And so that made me think, you know, I, I never really went through the full non-Titan specific list of draft picks and thought about, you know, I love where this guy landed or I am so depressed over where this guy landed. So JT, we're going to take a minute and do that today. You and I both have kind of looked over and re refreshed our memory on where certain prospects landed in this year's 2023 NFL draft. And we're just going to talk about why we love and hate some of their fits um, and, and the details behind that. So I'll go first because uh, it you've, you've let me know that I have more than, than you written down here because I super nerded out over this. One guy that I am super stoked about where he landed, and I'll – I'll kind of group these guys together because they went roughly the same area and they went that they play the same position. Devon Witherspoon going to the Seahawks and Christian Gonzalez going to the Patriots. I am a huge fan of, first of all, both of those teams, very cornerback needy at the, at the moment. So they're both going to get to see, I mean, they're, they're top 15, top 20 picks. So they were already going to see the field, but these guys will for sure be implemented in year one in a, in a heavy way. And I think they both fit their respective teams, cultures, 
and defensive identities so well. Christian Gonzalez always felt like a guy that would be a Bill Belichick fever dream. And there, I think there's a, a reason why the Patriots went and got that guy. If I'm not mistaken, they they moved in the first round maybe to come and get this guy. But anyways, um, they they really wanted him. And I think that he is just your stereotypical Bill Belichick cornerback who's going to be a stud man defender, maybe arguably one of the best cornerbacks in the league in year two, year three, year four, and then maybe falls off a cliff a little bit um, on his second contract. And that's frankly just the way that Bill Belichick likes him. He likes to hit him and quit him. Uh, and then with Devin Witherspoon in Seattle, he is like an old school. I mean, when we were scouting him, we talked at least once. I remember talking about how like he's like an old school Richard Sherman style, undersized a little bit, but genius. You can tell that he knows everything that's going on. Sometimes before that it before it happens, he plays with a ferocity. Like he thinks that he weighs 20 pounds more than he does and has a bigger frame than he does. He play, plays with his hair on fire. He'll launch it, guys. He will make a hard tackle. Uh, in the run game, he's not afraid of contact. He fits that old school Legion of Boom identity that I think um, the, the Seahawks are are trying to maybe get back to a little bit up there. So I'm a huge fan of both of those guys and where they landed. Yeah, I especially like your evaluation of Christian Gonzalez. I think he was the 17th pick in the draft, and the the Patriots were able to trade back. I believe they traded. With the oh, Pittsburgh they moved Steelers. back and still got him. Wow, you're right. Yep, yep, they, totally they, they moved back with the Pittsburgh Steelers and still yep. got Christian Gonzalez. And I think, I don't know if I said it on, on our live stream, but but looking back now, like the, the steal, of the, steal of the draft already happened. And it was at pick 17 with Christian Gonzalez. Mm. The fact that he fell so far yeah, very um, well went to a team like that uh, probably makes me a little bit more bumped because I'm mad that he's on the Patriots because that's just <laughs> the perfect situation. Who's somebody um, that you loved or hated where they landed? I'm going to go with one of the guys I love, and it's going to be probably the one that no one has any surprise about. Oh, um, no. I'm going to have to delete from my <laughs> list because I got him too. It's uh, it's Jack Campbell. Yeah. Like, the guy that yep, went right yep, after yep. Christian Gonzalez. Um, the Dan more Campbell's I look, new adopted son. Yeah, that it, guy. That's kind of was my point this entire time. Yeah. I don't think in my entire scouting of this, this draft class, I found a guy, maybe um, Cam Smith out of South Carolina, but like there's not a guy who just understands the game from a higher football IQ than Jack Campbell does. Um, and I think that's why Dan Campbell probably fell in love with him. And that's probably why Todd Bowles also was very much in love with him. They, yes. Those are two guys who have always been known to love their football IQ guys. I will and say with look, my chest that there is not a better player to coaching staff fit just based on vibes and culture than Jack Campbell and that coaching staff up in Detroit. It's oh, it's just yeah. the positional value is a little bit suspect, but just mm, delicious fit. Love um, and I just, I just wanted to look more into it to see why, um, Detroit really went so high on Jack Campbell, which I feel like a lot of people thought was a super big reach for them. Jack Campbell's going to be a starter for that team day one. Like it, it's already pretty much signed, sealed, delivered that this guy is going to start for them. And he's going to be yep. that kind of commander in the middle linebacker spot. Um, I went to I over think, to I think he'll probably start and probably have the green dot I and mean, he'll probably be the guy calling the plays for that team out of the gate. I, I agree. I, I went over to PFF just to see because Jack Campbell this entire time has been kind of, um, 
he had he was the best coverage linebacker in this draft. He his mm. the name of his game is coverage, and that's what he excels at. I look I went and I looked at the linebackers on Detroit's depth chart that are charted on PFF. No one on that team right now has a higher coverage grade than fifty eight point nine. <laughs> which which kind Not of great, just Bob. kind of shows you why they, Maybe are so they need high a linebacker really bad. Maybe that's why they took a first round middle linebacker. They, yeah. they 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 might be. And you know the the main kind of negative about Jack Campbell is that he wasn't a great rusher, but when you have guys like Aiden Hutchinson and you bring in a bunch of guys mm-hmm. in the in the back as well, like Cameron Sutton and CJ Cardner Johnson, yep. like this guy is going to fit in like a glove. He's going to be able to just play his own game. And when he plays, when he plays his own game, he's really, really good. He's not going to have to worry too much about trying to do everything. He's going to be able to play his own game. And he's going to take that 29th ranked Lions defense to probably, I want to say maybe around top 15. Like, I think this defense is going to improve a lot. And a lot of it has to do with Jack Campbell. Yeah, no, I love that. That was on my list too. Um, let's see another guy that I was stoked about. We, I've mentioned this at length before. Will Levis with the Titans purely because my, my NFL comps for him were somewhere between Ryan Tannehill and Matt Stafford on the, on the like 75%, um, comp. And he's getting to sit behind Ryan Tannehill. I think it's one of the best landing spots for him possible. Um, let's see on the, on the bummed side of the scale, I mentioned Cody Mott going to the Buccaneers. Such a bummer, man. I mean, his <laughs> I will say his hair already matches the old school Bucks uniforms. So when they wear those creamsicle uniforms and you get that 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 gorgeous flowing uh red and locks coming nice. out of the back. It'll look and then you nice. you look through the through the uh face mask and you see that big smiling face with the missing teeth. <laughs> I, that's gonna be a glorious photograph that I can't wait to see. Um, but yeah, him being down there in Tampa Bay is such a bummer because I I want to watch him, and I'm very sorry to the Buccaneers, but I will not be watching much Buccaneer football this year. Another guy that I'm super bummed about is Zach Charbonnet going to the Seattle Seahawks. This is mostly having to do with the fact that um, they already have a pretty decent running back there named Kenny Walker. Don't know if you've heard of him, but uh, Kenneth Walker came in as a rookie last year, was the runner-up, I believe, in Rookie of the Year votes to Garrett Wilson in New York, but certainly was one of those guys that was um, eligible for the award and was awesome. I mean, he he dealt with an injury last year, right? Am I right? Yeah, mistaken? late in the season, it wasn't yeah, like a, it wasn't a season-ending, but it was it was enough to uh, right. It was a nagging injury that kept him off the field a couple of times. Yeah, and he's gonna he's gonna be back at full force this year, and so that's like I just. Charbonnet out of UCLA, the running back who I liked and I wanted to see him get some play. I just don't know from a fantasy perspective, it's annoying, right? Because like now Kenneth Walker, suddenly you're scared at the prospect of how much like they they keep ranting and raving about Charbonnet and like wanting to use him and like be a goal line guy, maybe. And you're like, stop it. Can we just do the Kenny Walker thing? It was fun. It was electric. Can we just do that? Um, Another guy that I am bummed about kind of along the same lines, Rasheed Rice going to the Chiefs. I really liked Rasheed Rice. And I, I thought, thought about he's a real blue collar wide one. receiver yep. that I was like, yeah, I want to see him get gritty, like put him on a Titans team or a Pittsburgh team or a Cleveland team or a Green Bay team, somewhere that he can be a nasty blocker. Or, for my money, the best blocking wide receiver in the draft last year. Then he goes to the Chiefs, where that offense, like much more finesse. They all they also, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, but they seem to anecdotally, to me at least have a, a situation with their receivers where they kind of like the Titans 
really like to take their time getting their guys into the system, getting them up to speed. I mean, even even some great players that come to the team, um, like last year when they traded for uh, former Giants wide receiver. I'm blanking on his name. Help me Kadarius out here, Tony. Kadarius Tony. Thank you. Um, you know, you see him go off and have one almost two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. But as a fantasy prospect, when they added him, he was kind of just chilling and not doing a whole lot. And it was like, is his hamstrings is BS? They just like to slow play their guys who Sky Moore they added last year in the draft. I feel like Rasheed Rice is going to fit right into that rookie year Sky Moore mold. Sky might see some more play this year, um, half out of necessity, half out of the fact that he's been on the bench and, and waiting for a year. But I, I'd be kind of shocked if Rasheed is really utilized to the, the most um, exciting potential for him this year in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about Rasheed Rice for my uh, bummed out section and my whole argument was going to be he's going to get the sky more treatment so i'm glad we're on the yep. same page there um i'm going to move over to a guy i'm super excited about and i thought about um kind of in the running back column as well um okay. i'm not exactly bummed about zach charbonnet going to the seattle seahawks i think he's going to be a healthy rashad penny change my mind and that's mm. kind of how that team's always operated that they have a one-two punch in the backfield um, but another guy that I'm super excited about and was healthy Rashad Penny. On, last, by the way, healthy Rashad Penny is basically like saying it's, it's sunny midnight. Like it's not. It's just <laughs> name two things that are that are they can't coexist. But anyways, I mean that that's probably fair. Um, but the guy I'm really excited about is Devon A. Chain going to the mm, Dolphins. Great, um, I forgot this one, but great take. I'm with you. This is a guy that I had ranked higher actually than Zach Charbonnet and uh, Titans pick Ty J. Spears. Devon A-Chain, I feel like, has a really good shot to usurp um, both Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. as like yes. the first and second down back who gets you those yards. He just has a lot of explosiveness, and he is built better than both Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. Like, I think Mostert and Wilson Jr. probably battle it out for those third down like passing looks, but I would not be surprised if Devon A-Chain is this kind of Miami running back that they've been kind of searching for this guy who can play first and second down and get more than like a half a yard on, like behind yes. like an offensive line like Devon A. Chain is really good he sees the like again behind a line he sees the field really well and I'm super excited to see what he looks like in a Dolphins uniform yes a thousand percent our our, our boys down there in Miami really said you know what the Dolphins are all about speed hot nasty badass speed that is what we are all about and ad adding devon a chain yes fantastic pick for that team that is really gonna out track star any team they come across um let's see uh a guy that i'm bummed about i'll i'll do a couple guys here marvin mims and jalen hyatt i was not a huge fan of where either of those guys went mims going to the broncos mostly because i liked him as a guy that could be an impact player out of the gate for a team that really needed a guy and the Broncos, first of all, have Russ Wilson cooking things up, throwing the ball. It's not great last we checked. And then that wide receiver room kind of busy, right? You've got Jerry Judy. You've got um, uh, Tim uh, uh, Patrick. Cortland Tim Sutton. Patrick, thank you. Cortland Sutton you and got, Tim Patrick. I was, I was blanking um, on Patrick's name. A tight end um, who's probably going to make a jump and Greg Dolchik as well. Yeah. So like it's a, it's a, I mean, you also have, 
uh, Javante Williams if he comes back, and then you have the mm-hmm. receiving back in Samaj P. Ryan, who's quietly signed right. to I that team. Don't like, love, I don't see a lot of room for him to eat at the table. I think he's going to be uh, the, the odd man out the runt to the litter, at least in year one. And then J- Jalen Hyatt, we've talked about this a little bit. Cool player for the Giants, and I think if anybody in the NFL can get out of Jalen Hyatt the most, it would be a creative offensive line like Brian Dable, their new head coach. But um, that team, have have we looked at their wide receiver depth chart? It's just like seven slot receivers. I'm going to pull it up real quick, but it, I think their plan is to put like combine three slot receivers in a trench coat and try to play them as one X receiver. And if so, good plan. That's a good idea. Um, but right now, the Giants wide receiver depth chart looks like this. They have uh, Isaiah Hodgins, slot guy. Darius Slayton, slot guy. Paris Campbell, slot guy. Jalen Hyatt, slot guy. Sterling Shepard, mostly slot guy. Wondell Robinson, definitely slot guy. And then some guys, uh, Jameson Crowder, slot guy. And then a bunch of guys you've never heard of that. Oh, they added uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton in this past draft as well. Guess what? Slot guy. So (laughs) I don't know who's playing on the outside or what this offense is going to look like. And with Hyatt, uh, certainly not an X receiver unless you're just going to run among go routes and try to not run into a whole lot of contact. Like I kind of hate that fit. Yeah, I agree with both of those. I'm going to add two wide receivers that I also did not like their fit. Um, here I'll talk about the other, uh, Tennessee volunteer wide receiver, Mm. Cedric Tillman, who we both kind of at the end, when we got to the draft, both agreed, we kind of liked him better than Jalen Hyatt. Um, I for sure liked him better. Yeah. And he, he could went, play an X. The Giants should have drafted him. I think that they drafted yes. who what was the order? I think it went Tillman it went Hyatt or Hyatt, Hyatt followed and then directly Tillman. by Tillman. Back to yes. back. Yeah, they drafted the um, wrong Tennessee guy. Maybe they just didn't maybe they're just like, give us that Tennessee receiver. And they they forgot there were two of them and then they just got the <laughs> wrong one. I don't know. Um, but Cedric Tillman went to the Cleveland Browns, which I think is not a great spot because mm. what is Cedric Tillman? A big tall guy in this draft class who's going to be a guy that you're going to give jump balls to what what well, what do the cleveland browns have in yeah. droves they have amari cooper donovan peoples jones they signed marquise goodwin david bell and they also have a slot guy now who <laughs> quietly has gone under the radar the browns have elijah moore now like that is a crowded wide receiver room yes to draft a, a talented guy in cedric tillman so i'm kind of bummed because i don't think he's going to be able to shine as quickly as i'd like him to he's probably not going to have a lot of impact on this offense especially with deshaun watson being in uncertainty um maybe down the road cedric tillman with a lot of these guys getting older maybe he finds a way into um a starting role but for right now i just don't see anywhere where cedric tillman can really make an impact with this wide receiver room being super crowded yeah, another totally. one on our oh can I, were real saying? quick on tillman yeah. I, just, I have one thought when, on our wide receiver episode pre-draft with our guy austin gale over at the ringer when we talked about tillman I, I believe I said that my like top end 100 100% comp for him was Amari Cooper. Like that's kind of the mold of receiver that I see him being in the NFL. And I think that in the like the the thinking behind this, the strategy here is that they drafted Tillman to potentially be the heir apparent to Cooper, but they signed him they signed Cooper to a 5-year contract last season. Um they don't really have an out financially until after the 2024 season. So you're going to get Cooper on the Browns barring some big trade for at least this season and the next. So I'm not sure we're going to see Tillman even get a, a sniff at that wide receiver one role 
until we see his first and second season pass by, which is kind of a bummer. Um, and the other guy who I really don't have a lot of analysis on, it was just kind of a gross spot for him to go okay. was Tyler Scott to the bears. Ew, um, ew. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> uh, Justin Fields is already unproven and a guy like, uh, Tyler Scott, who we've talked about as like this sneaky, super fast guy. Like, I just don't know if there's going to be a lot of production for him. I feel like his, mm. his development might get a little stunted by Justin Fields development. Like, I just don't think this is a great match for team makeup, especially like now I could see Tyler Scott kind of slowly taking over the role that Chase Claypool has on this team right now, because the bears aren't exactly happy with Chase Claypool. I've heard reports about, um, mm. but still Tyler Scott taking over the role of Chase Claypool on a bears offense is not something that <laughs> excites anyone. So yeah. after talking about him for a long time, this draft season, I just kind of was a little bummed to see Tyler Scott go to the bears. Well, yeah. And they, they got a quarterback over there who's electric on the ground, but statistically he had one of the worst passing seasons. We've he ever only seen threw like year. 14 which, times a game, which to be <laughs> fair, they didn't have him throw much and he was running for his life behind a bad offensive True. line. And he didn't have a lot of weapons at his disposal. So I am withholding True. judgment on him as a pastor until this year when we see him with legitimate talent around him and improved conditions. But we've not, we have in fact not yet seen it. So kind of concerning. Um, let me do what one more guy on my bummer list. And you and I know you and I are going to agree on this. Our boy PJJ, Paris Johnson Jr., going to toil on the worst team in the league in Arizona with the Cardinals is. It stinks, man. It, it it's a bummer. Like he'll he'll be the starter. Yeah, like he was going to be the starter wherever he man. went. He yeah yeah we did, and it's uh, it's a bummer that he is there because again, speaking of in the, are there two teams I'm looking forward to less watching this year than the Cardinals and the Buccaneers? Like those are the two bottom barrel teams that I, I league of their own. Nobody else comes close to them in terms of watchability, in my opinion. That's that's a tough sell for me. Yeah, um, I have. I do more. I don't, more. I don't know how many you have left. Yeah, I've got two more on my on my. I'm excited for them, and one more on my. It's a bummer. Um, let me let me so fire off one more guy that I'm excited about because I've got I've cool. got three guys left. So okay. one guy that I'm excited about now, and if you'd asked me at the draft, I probably wouldn't have put him on this list. But it's my boy Julius Brents out of South Carolina going to the Colts, and this is mostly a take because. He's being thrust into the limelight now that they lost one of their starting cornerbacks for the season. I mean, I've already forgotten his name. Who was the guy? Um, Rod, was it Rogers? I think so. Who, who got who got busted for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was was Rogers. Whoever it was that got busted in in the the Colts secondary for gambling, apparently in degenerate fashion, um, as well as on the NFL and on his own team, while at the team property, like he kind of broke all of the rules in the gambling playbook, which was impressive. He's gone for the season. One would imagine. I'm not sure if they actually suspended him yet, but he will be. And you've now got a guy who was significantly um, more of a, a project um, in my eyes, at least in Julius Brent's like he was already going to get rotational snaps. Um, but I'm sorry. I said he was out of at South Carolina. I'm thinking of the other cornerback they drafted. Darius um, Rush. Yeah. Yes, Darius Rush, who I'm excited. I'll put both of those guys. I'll lump them together for guys I'm excited about. Brents was out of Northwestern, I believe. I think he was out of Kansas State. It was a purple school. Okay, Kansas State, other purple school. Um, either way, 
a second round product, Julius Brents, a fifth round, I think, product in Darius Rush, both getting a lot more time on the Colts now. And I think that's awesome because I'm excited to see both play. And I think that they will play a lot this year. And, and as somebody that covers the FC South, going to be seeing a lot of them. Yeah, I'll go through my two that I'm excited for just because, and these are two that I just um, kind of more two just fit. So better not steal them. Okay. Um, one is John Michael Schmitz for the Giants. Mostly not one because, of mine, but I like it. I'm in. Um, mostly because that was where I mocked John Michael the Giants Jingleheimer to take. Schmitz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mocked them to take him in the first. They obviously didn't. They went a different route. Um, but they came back in the second and took Value, it. And baby. I think. Yeah, I think they're I think he's gonna be the starter for that Giants team and it's gonna shore up a probably top ten line. Like their line is looking really good. He was always a guy that I really liked from the get-go. Obviously, not a guy the Titans were super interested in, but a guy sure. I thought had a lot of potential. So I'm super excited about him. And the then center, the other so, guy yeah. um that I'm just the upside is limitless is Dalton Kincaid on the Bills. Um mm, is a guy I'm super not excited. What I, not when I said, but yes, fair. Super excited to see him. Um, I'm not buying into the Travis Kelsey like hype. And, Washed. I met, why it's would over. you? It's over. Um, well, the Travis Kelsey hype as like Dalton oh him be oh I thought we were talking Travis about Kelsey. dudes in fantasy who think this is the oh year no that he falls off the cliff. But um, yes the idea that he's going to be their Kelsey I got you. Uh, he's not going to be their Kelsey, but a guy who can make plays outside of the red zone that's not named Dawson Knox in the tight end spot for them. Right. Sign me up. Like this guy, I think is going to be a, a nice guy for Josh Allen to have, especially as they've had their wide receiver two woes with Gabe Davis. Not really I was about to say being is the he guy sneaky kind of in that Chig might be the second or third highest targeted guy on the team. Speed I was, slot. He, I he wasn't going to say that to but a lesser extent it, to a lesser it, it extent, would, but it might be the way that they're looking to do this team because Gabe Davis just has not been that wide receiver two that you would hope like for him to be. And especially as um, Bean wants Josh Allen to stop running the ball as much so that he doesn't Please. get hurt. He's begging, having, he's crying, having, he's on his knees. Stop running. Having John. a yeah. slot tight end option that you can kind of dump it out to and is always going to have yep. an open look um, is, is super nice. And that's why I'm excited to see Dalton Kincaid with the Buffalo Bills. Love that you mentioned Kincaid because the, the last two guys I have on the list of guys that I'm stoked to see this year are two other top tight ends from this class. Sam Laporta going to the Lions and Luke Musgrave going to the Packers. I love both of those fits. Um, Laporta was my tight end four. I was I was higher on him than most coming in to the draft. Uh, slightly higher. Most consensus board has him like tight end four or five or five or six rather. Um, and when you look at this depth chart for the Lions, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, you know, they trade away their, their stud tight end last season, mid season to in division rivals, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. And so they were left with Brock Wright, James Mitchell, Shane Zilstra and Derek Deese jr. At the tight end position. So Laporte is going to be that tight end one out of the gate. And I think that he'll be a pretty decent target in the past game as well. Like they've got targets up there. Don't get me wrong former Titans great Josh Reynolds, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. They added this year. I'm going to Ross St. Brown, obviously. Khalif Raymond, former Titans legend, of course. Um, but that's not, you know, it's not the best wide receiver room in, in the world. They've got a good offensive line. So I don't think Laporte is going to be needed to constantly help and chip on that offensive line front in the, in the blocking game. 
I think that he's going to be utilized in that passing game a decent amount. And he's a more well-rounded guy. He's not a Kincaid in the sense that he's, you know, just a glorified receiver type. I think that he's going to ball out this year. And then with Musgrave joining the Packers, again, they move off of some of their older tight end talent. They draft two tight ends, Tucker Craft, and even higher than, than that, Luke Musgrave in the second round, I believe. That that hit tight end room is Kraft and Musgrave, and then Josiah Deguara, Tyler Davis, and Austin Allen. A bunch of dudes. Oh, Cameron McDonald, an undrafted free agent at tight end. So he's going to be getting a lot of that tight end one looks there as well. And they're another team that has a fine but not great wide receiver room. A lot of unproven guys, right? Chris, Christian Watson flashed some last year, but we don't know. Romeo Dobbs, same deal. Dontavian Wicks, they added this year. Malik Heath, they added this year. Grant DeBose, they added this year. A ton. I mean, one, two, three, four, five. five. So on their wide receiver depth chart here, five, six, excuse me, six guys are rookies and five guys aren't. Um, so they, I forgot they added Jaden Reed. That'll be a, a nice starting uh, guy to add into that rotation. But Luke Musgrave's certainly going to get some of that receiving reps, some of those receiving reps up in, in Green Bay as well. And as long as Jordan Love doesn't absolutely stink and they have to go to heaven forbid, another guy they drafted, Sean Clifford out of Penn, who was maybe the most hey, head-scratching draft. Maybe the most head-scratching draft of the... Uh, hey, State big, big friends with our, with our boy Will Levis. Baby. Big buddies. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, yeah, it, it, it's an exciting situation for both Laporta and Packers. Musgrave up there. What did uh, you say? I, I said he took us to a state championship in high school in 2018. He can do it with the Packers, Sean Clifford. You right, know? right, don't, yeah, yeah. Don't, Next don't, Brady. Don't count him out now. Don't sleep. Um, when did they draft him? Like round four or five? It was egregious. It was awful. It was it was a surprise. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do like um, Musgrave and Kraft. Like that tight tight end tandem in Green Bay is super enticing to me. It is. Getting it's both a- those guys. I really liked both those guys. And the fact that they got both. Like this wide receiver core and this like receiving core is super young up there. Um, so I'm super excited to see them. Um, my last guy, and this is a guy that I'm bummed about, but not for like the reason you think, um, my guy is Yasir Abdullah going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And my reasoning is why? Because I don't hate that. Um, I'm bummed for Titans fans because this guy is (laughs) going to probably be a name that you become very familiar with. The fact that he was drafted. You learn to loathe, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, The fact that Yasir Abdullah was the first pick in the fifth round is pretty surprising to me. Unbelievable. Um, And the fact that he's going to a very quickly heated division rival in the Jacksonville Jaguars for Titans fans is probably going to be a headache. I don't know if he's going to have a huge year this year. I think he's going to learn in that system. He'll take but some come, time, I think. Come yeah. uh, year two or three, y- Yasir Abdullah might be a pain in the side of many Titans fans. And that, that was my main reasoning as they, they got a well, very... You may, you you may see more of him this year than you think because like yeah. their pass rushing talent was... The other Josh Allen, who after a rookie season that was really, really promising, kind of had a down year last year. So I'm not quite sure what we what we know we have in him, right? And and then rookie first overall pick last year, Trayvon Walker, who there's still more to be desired there. And then after that, there's a bunch of mm, like they they need pass rush talent. And Yasir Abdullah fits that bill. So you may see him earlier than we think. Yeah, for sure. Um 
just remember the name because when 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 he makes a couple plays, say I warned you, you know. So yep. maybe pray pray on that downfall. All right, that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna be it for today. Um, before we get out of here, a couple things. First of all, if you follow the show, thank you so much for listening. Do us a favor, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get the show, whether that's on YouTube at Broly Sports Media's YouTube page. Hit the subscribe button. If you follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you're subscribed. And then, hey, while you're over there, leave us a five-star review and rating. It's very helpful for us to be able to sell the show to some of our fantastic partners like Zen Sportsbook, which we've partnered with. And just a reminder, when you sign up with code HOTPOD, H-O-T-P-O-D, it's right there when you go to sign up. You won't. Where do you put the code in? It's, it's a whole page on the sign-up process. You can't miss it. You'll know it when you get there. Use code HOTPOD to get an unlimited 5% cash back. You can go and bet a million dollars with Zen Sportsbook, and you're getting 5% of that back just on your betting volume when you sign up with the code HOTPOD. And then three months cash back uh, rewards on all of your betting volume every month after that into perpetuity. It helps us out. It helps you out because it's cash back on bets that you, unlike other sportsbooks where you get these bonuses that only matter if you win. With Zen Sportsbook, all you have to do is to is bet. And JT, think about this. Like we talk about all the time with our with our betting on this show, which we love. We're degenerates. We we we're, we are we love to do it, but thankfully we're very good at it. We're always looking for that fifty two and a half ish percent betting mark to break even because of the vig, because of the juice, and then that professional betting mark is somewhere in the fifty five to fifty six percent range. Well, if you're getting five percent of your betting volume back before the the bet even cashes. That's giving you an artificial boost. Like you can be, you can be on a 50% tear, actually losing a little bit of money, but with that 5% cash back, suddenly you're you're boosted up to even with the 3% cash back, you're boosted up to professional levels and you're making money through Zen Sportsbook, our fabulous sponsor. So it's a great deal. Go sign up, code hot pod when you sign up to get that unlimited 5% cash back welcome bonus and then 3% cash back after those first 15 days. All right, JT, we'll be back on Friday. Um, we have, I have a, an interesting idea for our next two shows may involve a guest. I'm going to, I'm going to bark up some trees this week to see who I might can get on the show, but we're going to go, I don't want to give it all away, but we're going to go position by position, starter by starter on this Titans team. We're going to ask some questions and discuss in detail what we're looking for, what we're thinking about with each of these players going into 2023. So maybe some reasonable expectations, maybe some fears, maybe some ceilings and floors established. We're going to get into all of that, potentially again with a guest or two. That'll be on Friday, and then probably we'll follow that up with, um, we'll do offense one day, defense the, the, the following day. So that'll probably be our Monday and Friday shows. Looking forward to that. Until then, JT, have a great week. Everybody listening, have a great week. For producer JTM, your host, Easton Fries, this has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you on Friday.